As you may already know, authenticity is kind of a big deal to me. It's the cornerstone of my work in the world. As a communication coach, I'm never interested in polishing someone as a communicator. I'm interested in revealing someone in their truest, most beautiful form. And I've been doing this for a long time. And the good thing about being devoted to a practice, to a craft, is that you feel quite confident, quite sure of yourself. But the bad thing about being devoted to a craft is that sometimes you think, what could this person possibly teach me? I do this for a living. But that's exactly what my guest today did. She taught me to see a blind spot in my own pursuit of authenticity. My friends, I'd like you to meet Jessica Zweig, host of the Simply Be podcast, author of Be a No Bullshit Guide to Increasing Your Self-Worth and Net Worth by Simply Being Yourself. Jessica is an award-winning entrepreneur, personal branding expert, the founder and CEO of Simply Be, which is an agency where she works with entrepreneurs, creatives, CEOs, and the companies they lead to help them grow on and offline by leveraging the most powerful marketing tool on the planet, authenticity. Amen, sister. I can't wait for you to meet Jessica. So let's dive in. Well, I just want you to know I love the book. I love it. I love frameworks. I love repeatable processes. I love ways that demystify things that are kind of mystifying, like authenticity and how to express who you are and the essence of who you are. It's powerful. And I love the frameworks you came up with. So what I do, like I'm a communication coach, right? I'm not a life coach, I'm not a business coach. I'm a communication coach. I help people give talks. I help people find their power and speak from that place of power. And I'm all about authenticity. And yet when I got to your book right there in the beginning, was the thing about your mess is your message. All the garbage that you've been through becomes a huge part of your story. And as I was reading that, I was like, God, you know, I am out in the world constantly. I give talks multiple times a week. I never tell my mess story. And I was like, holy shit, I've been missing it this whole time. Why is telling your mess story Mm. so important or so powerful? So I think we we're so inundated with this yeah. world we live in of social media and putting people up on pedestals and yep. being so focused on the titles and success and accolades and many people at least are and we forget we're all human beings. Yeah. And each and every one of us despite our titles, despite our status, despite our skin color, despite our age, what's in our bank accounts. Yep. We're all fundamentally connected because we're human beings. We have hearts and souls. Yep. And all of us have been through profound trauma and sadness in our own right. And we've all had moments of grandeur and triumph. Mm -hmm. And we all, to be frank, I don't care Mm -hmm. how successful you are, are ultimately constantly somewhat just totally insecure. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100 <laughs> like, We just are. Yeah. And so when we allow ourselves to show up with that yeah. in lieu of, and to be frank, in spite of our titles and status, like yeah. that is magic. That's what appeals to people. 
And so for people that don't know you yet, what is your mess? What's your origin story from which all of this power and these strategies and all this stuff flows from? So, you know, I was very uncool when I was growing up. You know, my parents are working class or not working class, self-made people had like, yeah. you know, came from nothing and yeah. moved us to a very affluent suburb. And I was always on the outside and I never felt like I belonged and I was bullied. I was traumatized by girls and boys and was pretty gawky and uncomfortable in my own skin. And then I fell into a lot of traps that I think young women fall into when they don't have high self-esteem, which is body dysmorphia and eating yes. disorders, yes. dating very psychologically abusive people, falling into mass credit card debt, and <laughs> literally, and just having a horrible relationship with money. Yeah. And so... Later in my 20s, I started a business. I kind of became all of a sudden a girl about town and people had respect for me all of a sudden and knew who I was all of a sudden. And and as a very much unconscious level, yeah. had a, a low self-esteem still Yeah, and was operating from this place of ego, unconscious ego, just starving to be loved, to have that void satiated that was so empty for so long. Yeah. And made a lot of bad choices as well, even though that was an amazing chapter of my life, my first company that I ran for seven years. Mm-hmm. It was an online magazine for women. And it was a, towards the end of that seven-year chapter that I had what you could classify as an emotional breakdown and a nervous breakdown, a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. and found spirit and really tuned into source and connected and communed with the higher cosmic conversation that I had never had in my life really up until that point. I'd always been spiritual, but that was really a crossroads moment for me. Wow. And that's when I decided, not even decided, I had really no choice. I had reached a pretty hard rock bottom that the journey was within, Mm. not without. Beautiful. And which, of course, becomes the baseline from which you reconstruct. And that framework is what you bring to life, it sounds like, in this book, right? Exactly. Very much. So I love that. I love that it resonates for me in a lot of ways because I think a lot of people listening, we tend to dismiss our own mess story because it's not grand enough, right? We're just... Mm -hmm. What could I possibly have to complain about? I had plenty to eat. I had people that took care of me. It's not like I'm a refugee crossing a border or a, you know, someone who's been on the receiving end of horrendous racism. So what do I have to say? What do you say to people who tell you that? Who's like, you know, I'm a middle-class, white, suburban-raised woman. What do I have to say that's anything like a mess? What do you say to them? I mean, I've actually had clients say that to me, right, in my office. Like they come in to build a platform and to be seen as a, an expert, a thought leader, an inspiration for other people. And they have the same exact sentiment. And I believe that to be human is very, very, very delicate. We have extremely fragile hearts and souls, no matter where you came from. And human beings are inherently imperfect and flawed and no one came from a perfect family. No No one. No. And our parents are flawed, complex, 
human beings as well with their own traumas as well that they've inherited either consciously or unconsciously that yep. we have assumed. And there's not one person on the planet that can't say, I've never been hurt. Yeah. I've, I've never been scared. Yeah. I've never been put down. And so the degrees of trauma, I really don't think that it's at all worth comparing yeah. because we've all had our hearts broken. That's right. All of us. And in some shape or form, and that is your value that what you've learned from that, that makes mm -hmm. you a snowflake and therefore yeah. valuable to another person. And, and so don't diminish that value because you didn't come from the poorest place on the planet. Like yeah. don't diminish that. And that's I, in a big way, what I hope my book allows us to see is how inherently mm -hmm. connected we are. Mm -hmm. And that includes you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it was fascinating. I literally sat. I am someone who thinks about authenticity constantly. Like I have my own frameworks and stuff around it, but I sat with that question. It was so humbling because I realized this is what I love about earth school. It's like, sometimes you're the teacher, sometimes you're the student. And I sat on my front stoop and I was like, what is my mess? And it was so interesting. I realized such a similar experience that you were talking about. My issue was profound loneliness mm -hmm. and isolation as an only child. And my parents are divorced. And I was just sort of, I was like luggage that people were dragging around. I was never really the center of anything. And so to compensate, I became all things to all people. I was the ultimate chameleon. My entire childhood and into my 20s, I had a big voice, but it wasn't mine. It was whatever the crowd needed, right? It was incredibly adept at morphing to meet other people's needs. And in my 30s, I realized that that's not power. That's inauthentic power. And so from there, I just did the work of understanding, okay, what is my voice? Like, what is my authentic self? And I had never really pieced that together until I went through your book. So I really, as someone who considers herself kind of a black belt at this shit, you totally opened my heart. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That is so amazing. I'm so humbled to hear you say that. I so agree with you. It's earth school and we are the student and we are the teacher at yes. all times. And that just lights my day up because I, my book launched yesterday. So I, it's now getting into the hands of people. And it's very exciting and affirming, to be frank, to, to hear that. It's really, really great. And what I wanted to ask you was, what does authenticity mean to you? Like when you're working with someone who's trying to build a personal brand, how do you define authentic? What does it mean to you? Yeah. So for me, I believe that the distinction between authenticity mm. and inauthenticity is the distinction between love or fear. Mm. Yes. Preach. And fear shows up. Fear shows up in a lot of ways, but fear shows up as ego, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we can tell when someone's being inauthentic because they're operating from a sense of ego, right? And yeah. no judgment, just we can just tell. Yeah. And love shows up as service. Yeah. Love shows up as I can own my gift yep. and be confident in the gift, but I know that my gift is not just for me. My gift is to be utilized. I have an assignment here. I am a channel and a source for impact. And so with my clients, they have to come from that place first. 
the platform strategy and the messaging and the logo design and the social media, like we do all of that. That's a sauce of ours, obviously, but it's what makes Simply Be Unique, my company, is that we're very much focused on the personal empowerment side of this work and why you actually have to start within before you can go without. And that's right. And a lot of people have the fear nonetheless, because they don't Mm -hmm. want to be seen as egotistical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if we really tune in to why are you here at this company? Why did you call me in the first place? Why are you in this meeting? It's because they have a deep purpose. They have a mission and they need a microphone for that to turn into a message. Yeah. What do you say to people who struggle with the morphing and the, in the integration of your business facing brand and your personal life facing brand? I think the younger generations are more and more comfortable with that blend, but the older folks, maybe that didn't grow up in social media, we sort of, a lot of us struggle with that. Like how much of ourselves to reveal, how much not to, what do you do with clients that come with that issue? You know, I love this question. I get it all the time. So I believe now I'm a Xennial. So I'm like Gen X millennial in betweener. Oh my God, that's amazing. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I just learned it was a thing like a year or two ago. I was like, that's awesome. It's a very great small little window of of people who are born around my time. But that's amazing. So I have a sort of this yin yang to it. It's, I believe flat out your professional brand and your personal brand aren't different. They're the same. They should be one and the same. The more integrated you are, I say often you're, nine to five life shouldn't be separate from your five to nine self. We need to really bring those together and bring more of who we are as human beings to our jobs and to our careers and our workplaces. Mm -hmm. And yet that's a big struggle for people, especially on the spectrum of the Gen Xers and above. And you're right about the millennials and, and they're like, it's all one thing, but you do not owe the world your life in a glass case. In order to be authentic, you do not need to share all the personal details of your life. Yes. That's in fact, not the place whatsoever for your personal life. You shouldn't come onto the internet and process and cathart. It's the place to add value. However, Love show, that. it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Showcasing the fact that you're a mom, mm-hmm. or if you don't want to share photos of your kids, then put it on a separate private account and then use a different true personal brand account to showcase your passion for cooking. Or, you know, how much you love animals or your faith. Like that stuff humanizes you, especially if you're an executive, you're trying to get clients, you're trying to get a a new role. I mean, people do business with people. I say this over and over again, and we forget that. And we show up in these two-dimensional ways that I don't believe serves us, forget our jobs, but in our lives, doesn't serve us. So that to me is the mindset and approach. And my book talks a lot about that, as you know. Absolutely. And I, what I was curious about too is, you know, you have a really specific methodology. Like what's great about this book is if someone's listening, they know they need to do the personal branding work either because they're getting started with the business or they're getting started with a coaching platform or whatever it is. They know they got to do it. You go to the book and it really does walk you through step by step how to do it, starting at the core and moving out. When you work with people, when do they most generally tend to like, I don't know if I can do this. When do they start to freak out and like back off? Is there a certain moment that's harder for a lot of people? Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. And I'm just going to keep it real frank. When they realize how much work it takes. Yes. (laughs) Totally. Oh my God. A hundred percent agree with that. Yes. It is a time commitment. 
And it's a time commitment, not just like, oh, like doing my taxes takes time. It's like, you got to get under the underpinnings of your own story, which actually is a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's multifaceted pieces to this. I mean, we're at our core branding and strategy company. So branding is the messaging, right? Strategy is the what. Strategy Mm -hmm. is the tactics, the execution, the how. Mm -hmm. And to know your brand is to do that inner work that can be very uncomfortable for people to really Mm -hmm. like open up and stretch themselves to define and refine how they want to tell their story. Yeah. And then the strategy is the bringing it to life, which, and if you want to grow, and again, this all comes down to goals and objectives, but if you want to grow, Mm. you cannot do this for three months and call it a day and wait for it to happen. You have to show up every day to this and be real in it. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you really have to be ready, I think, to be seen and to do the work. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway with that question. It's a great question. I've also observed, when I was a kid, it was Star Search. Now it's American Idol and Christ only knows what. But there was this sort of feeling that you arrived by getting discovered, right? Mm -hmm. Some benevolent force discovers you and gives you a platform and you walk out onto a stage and suddenly you're famous and you're a really big deal. And that was raised on that messaging. The women in my family were like, oh, you know, one day the right person will see your work and X and Y and Z will happen. And it was such a gift when I realized I'm the one that has to create a platform and make shit happen. It's not some floating celebrity out there. It's me doing the work. And I think that that is a shift that a lot of people, especially women, were waiting around for Oprah to notice us. And that ain't how it works. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, I love this. It's very similar if I'm just going to get really, really real with you. So... I had only dated broke, narcissistic artists for the majority <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Me too. Like if you were an unemotionally, emotionally unavailable man who had tattoos and no money, like 19 to 29, like I was in love with you. And so That is so beautifully said. It's the truth. I think we've all gone through that to some degree, right? And so my point is I met my now husband when I was 30 and I had kind of gone through the ringer with that type of guy. Yeah. And I met my husband and he was this really wealthy trader and yeah. I had never dated a guy with money before. You know, my dad, I mentioned, I came from a self-made people and my dad grew his wealth over time and I was very taken care of growing up. Right. So sidebar, I meet my husband and I'm like, holy crap. And I fall in love with him. And I'm like, he's an amazing human being, but he also happens to be rich. And this yeah. is like, what a bonus. What awakening. Like, right. Totally. This is new. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all this suffice to say, and I really want to answer your question. Yeah. I'm coming back to your question. So my husband, I were dating for two and a half years. I was a struggling entrepreneur. I was in a ton of debt at the time. And he was sort of this really successful guy taking care of me in a way, but not yeah. really. Yeah. And then we get married and a month after our wedding, the trading industry and the trading floor in Chicago closes and his industry implodes and he is left without any source of income. Wow. 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 And we went through a year of couples therapy. We almost didn't make it because he had to rewrite his identity. He had so much of his own unconscious ego, to be frank, wrapped up in his career. Yep. I had to unpack the subconscious belief 
that I deeply had that I didn't know, even though because I dated all these broke guys, that I was actually really waiting for a man to financially rescue me the way that my father did. Oh, I am so glad you said that out loud. That's right. If you looked at the percentage of women out there, the percentage of us that believe that even at the deepest subconscious level that we don't want to admit, it's a high percentage, Jessica. Like that is truth. Yes. That was one of the biggest breakthroughs in my life. And it happened in a couple's counseling session on a couch. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. holy crap. And that was my moment. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It actually happened over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. You know, where my husband had to sort of soul search Mm -hmm. and I had to find my own power. And Oprah never called me, but I was like, I'm going to empower myself anyway. Mm-hmm. And now I'm the breadwinner and yeah. we are a bigger team than we've ever been. Yeah. And that source of understanding of my own capabilities came from within. Yes. It wasn't granted to me. It certainly wasn't given to me by my husband. Like yes. I had to find it within. That's it. And do you think like, I think that is scary for a lot of women, a lot of women who would be entrepreneurs, would be business owners there is a fundamental terror about being forced to reckon with the issue of power as it relates to money and income. And that's why I get so excited to talk to people like you and business coaches that specialize in just with women. I know you're in the, more in the branding side of this, but people that can help more of us untether ourselves from that very toxic message that our power comes from wealth that is not of our own making. Mm-hmm. Do you work with people to deprogram that shit? And if you do, what do you say to them? I mean, my community online is predominantly women. I'm blessed that I have clients in my agency that are men and women who come yeah. to me and they're for a long time, men were predominantly my clientele because I think that women have a bigger block of owning that. And then yes. that's the shift. But what I love about my community and online predominantly is that I think that they look at someone like me and I can be an example. I can be a teacher and I'm very transparent about where I've come from, especially when it comes to money. Yes. I felt like for the longest time, I didn't have it in me. Yeah. I believed that I needed someone else, not even just so much my husband, but let's just talk about all the shitty deals I took, the wrong clients I accepted, the partnerships I went into, because I didn't trust that I was able to manifest money. Yes. Yes. And so I think that I would like to believe that I have people who I help shift through my example and my clients. It's interesting. Some of them come to me already on that page of empowerment. Yes. And then some of them come to me wanting to be on the page of empowerment and they're going to utilize their platforms to help expand them into more of that embodiment. Mm -hmm. My book is called Be an OBS Guide to Increasing Your Self-Worth and Your Net Worth by Simply Being Yourself. Yes. Self-worth is the cause. Net worth is the effect. Mm, Hold on. Self-worth is the cause. Net worth is the effect. God damn. And you know what? I think what's the deeper meaning of that sentence is that it's not effortless to be yourself in the sense that you mean, in that deeper sense. It takes work. 
And that's what the book is all about. It's a guide to doing that work, right? It absolutely is. It's absolutely right. So I have a couple of nerdy book writing questions for you, if that's okay. Please, yeah. Okay. So number one, how did you know you were ready to write a book? Because you've been doing this a while. You've had this in your head rambling around. When did you finally, when were you like, God damn it, we're doing a proposal and we're getting this thing done? I got to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Rhea Fry, who has a book proposal writing company. She's one of my best friends. And she, you know, we all need people in our lives who believe in us a little bit more than we believe in ourselves. And Amen. She's one of those people for me. And she, I'd always dreamed about writing a book and I had started Simply Be and she was my biggest cheerleader. She was like, this is the next thing for you. You really need to do this. And she really held my hand through the proposal writing process, taught me the ropes of what it looks like to get a book deal. And I got to credit a really good friend lighting a fire under my ass and saying, Jessica, you need to do this. That's amazing. And then how did you do it? Did you, so you wrote the proposal, which is basically like sample chapters and this is what the book would look like and so on and so forth. How did you get it done? Cause you have, I mean, that's the main reason I still haven't, I mean, I have a manuscript, but I haven't looked at it in four years because I'm just too busy, quote unquote, delivering the main part of my business. How did you carve out time to get it done? Vigilance, discipline, and a lot of seven-day work weeks, Yeah, to be honest. The book proposal writing process took me a year and change, and the book took six months. The book proposal is really hard, at least it was for me. Yeah. And I have this beautiful little coffee shop in my neighborhood. So like finding a beautiful space that you really look forward to going to, even if it is a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. Going there on... Saturdays and Sundays religiously from like nine to three and like telling my girlfriends, no, I can't do brunch, you know, skipping the workout truly and just doing it. And it wasn't forever, but I I did it. It was a season. And I got it done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is another thing I noticed. You do a great job of storytelling in it, you know, like opening chapters with good stories. Did you have like a spreadsheet where you parked all of your stories or what was your story collection process? Like I'm obsessed with the idea of story collection. I'm going to cry. I'm so happy that you just said that because I really, I just got the chills. I love that you said that because I submitted my manuscript to my editor and she loved it. And I love my editor. And she sent me back a couple edits and I was like, and back to Rhea. Yeah. She read it and she was like, Jessica, where are you in this book? You are just the expert in this book. You are not the human. Wow. you, You need to go back and like deconstruct this a little bit. She really pushed me in the final like 11th hour. I went back and I added in all those little stories to each of the top of the chapter, each chapter kind of like. I downloaded it. It was, in, it was just like I channeled it. I was like, this is the story I need to tell that connects this dot. It's and brilliant. It, it just came to me. So yeah. it really, really works. And I find that, that when you're in a capacity as a coach or consultant, the temptation is to dive right to the value and right to the nugget, but we need the story to access. So I'm, I'm actually, that's so great to hear because that is the tendency. And I, but I think it came in really clear and really beautiful. And I guess lastly, the thing I want to ask you is for people listening to this who are intimidated by the process of doing the work to really answer the question, who am I? What is myself? What does being myself mean? What advice do you have for them when they're intimidated by that question? You have to really, truly, profoundly accept that 
not everyone is going to like you. Mm-hmm. And actually, the more you try for everyone to like you, the more vanilla and bland you will become. And you're not here to be vanilla and bland. You're here to be bold and saucy and juicy and one of a kind. And the more that you step forward into that, the more the right people are not only going to like you, they're going to freaking adore you. That's right. And so it's not to say that it doesn't sting when someone trolls you or, you know, someone criticizes you for being you. That's part of the deal. It's what you sign up for. But it's such a small percentage of the return and the sauce and the joy that comes from being yourself. And that's why you're here. You're not here to play small. You're here to change the world. And we change the world one person at a time. Anyone can do it. And so that is my advice to that question. I think we all have to somewhat get over the fact that that not everyone's going to like us, but the right people are going to love us when we do. Beautifully said. I can't think of a better place to end this. Thank you so, so, so much. Congratulations on your book, baby. And may all of your launch activities be blessed and imbued with magic and power. And I just can't wait to see where you go next. It's awesome. You're amazing. This was one of my favorite conversations. You're an incredible interviewer, by the way. Oh my God. Thank you. I was literally just like feeling you. (laughs) Me too. This was a flow. You're wonderful. I I love love your energy. Really. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, let's manifest a real world opportunity. We'll both be on some amazing stage in like the South of France. And we'll be like, hey, girl. (laughs) 100%. I see it. Let's put that onto the universe. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe so you can get the latest episodes delivered hot off the press. Or if you think of someone who could really use this message, share it with them. Also... If you're looking to take this further and go further and faster on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication concept or tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am digging right now. It's just a fun little Saturday morning snippet to get you going. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at BronwynSF and LinkedIn. And if your company or organization needs a high-voltage keynote speaker who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually, I'm your gal. So shoot me a note and let's make some magic happen. Find me at BronwynCommunications.com and shine on. Thank you for listening.